A Great Wagon by Rumi. When I see your face, the stones start spinning. You appear, all steadying wanders. I lose my place. Waters turn pearly, fire dies down and doesn't destroy. In your presence, I don't want what I thought I wanted, those three little hanging lamps. Inside your face, the ancient manuscripts seem like rusty mirrors. You breathe, new shapes appear, and the music of a desire as widespread as spring begins to move like a great wagon. Drive slowly. Some of us walking alongside are lame. Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. I would love to kiss you. The price of kissing is your life. Now my loving is running toward my life shouting, what a bargain, let's buy it. Daylight full of small dancing particles and the one great turning our souls are dancing with you. Without feet, they dance. Can you see them when I whisper in your ear? They try to say what you are, spiritual or sexual. They wonder about Solomon and all his wives. In the body of that world, they say, there is a soul and you are that. But we have ways within each other that will never be said by anyone. Come to the orchard in spring. There is light and wine and sweethearts and the pomegranate flowers. If you do not come, these do not matter. If you do come, these do matter. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hello, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our Raylo episode. Whoa. <laughs> it is Raylo <laughs> season. <laughs> it has been <laughs> a year since we've been like official Raylos. Um, Not even. It's been less than a year. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Um, but yay, I'm so excited. Um, I just want to say before we kind of dive in to all of our talk about Raylo, we got so many amazing questions and thank you guys for sending those in. Um, and we're really excited to kind of talk about speculation for episode nine even further. But I know that Raylo can be kind of a, a triggering and sensitive subject for some people. And I don't really know what I, where I'm going with this, but if you kind of find yourself in the camp where this kind of upsets you. I just don't listen to this episode. Mm -hmm. Move on to another episode of ours. We'll be back talking about not just Raylo in the future, I promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Kylo Ren and Raylo is something that comes up a lot in our episodes, but this episode is going to be all Raylo. So if you know that's not your cup of tea, totally cool. Um, but that's what this episode is. So just so you know that going in, we're going to be talking about all Raylo, all the episode. 
So. <laughs> I'll reload all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this episode was really inspired by the tweet that Ava DuVernay sent out about Vic's um, mood board, who is one of the second unit directors for, um, I almost said The Last Jedi, but for episode nine. And her mood board just like ignited the theories <laughs> and we were so inspired and like you know what um even though we're very much like supportive of the Raylo relationship we've never had an episode devoted to Raylo itself so we decided to use her mood board as a as a springboard and jump into a conversation <laughs> all about Raylo <laughs> yes yes okay so in part one we're going to talk about the mood board and then in part two, we're going to be talking about your questions that we got through email. And then in part three, we're going to be talking about the questions that we got over Twitter. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. All right. Welcome to part one, where we're going to be talking all about the mood board. And the tweet that launched a thousand theories was from Ava. And it said, Checking on my friend, the one and only history-making badass director, Victoria Mahoney, in her Star Wars 9 offices at Pinewood in London. How she and JJ look so spry and fresh after all these months shooting is incredible. That's the sign of a happy set led by good people. Number one, the tweet just like warmed my heart <laughs> because mm-hmm. I love people being happy about Star Wars because I'm happy about Star Wars. Um, but two, of course, the like giant photo of Darth Vader in like a pink fluffy jacket just like really set the mood. I can't express to you how much that image like it warms my soul because I like feel it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> the pink fluffy jacket or like the the mood board in general? Okay, the mood board, but I really mean the pink fluffy jacket. Like, I actually <laughs> own a pink fluffy jacket just like that. I should take a photo mm-hmm. with like a Vader mask. It is like my whole okay. vibe. It really is my whole vibe. <laughs> I love it so much. And I think that it's so great that if we're going to pick apart the mood board, I love that that's at the center because it's just so cool. She's mm-hmm. so cool. What I love about the mood board, like outside of our the pictures on it that we're going to kind of speculate a little bit into, is the set of like foam animal masks <laughs> off to <laughs> the right um my parents are in like early childhood education we own pre my parents own preschools and so like i'm like oh they bought that in a kit <laughs> like walmart and like glue sticked <laughs> that together like, that's what i've seen those before <laughs> a couple of oh times oh my god that's funny it's really funny and that's then so we've funny. got let's see a bunny rabbit a cat a lion a tiger and an elephant like who is who <laughs> Kylo Ren is definitely the bunny rabbit, and <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and raise the tiger. I'm gonna say yeah, for sure. Finn is the elephant. Poe is Poe the, the lion, and Rose is the cat. I think it's a zebra. Oh, zebra. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a zebra. Rose is still the zebra mm-hmm. though. <laughs> I love it. If you guys are like, oh, I need to see this photo, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can just scroll down and follow along with our discussion. But another thing that I really loved about this tweet, I just I love the fact that Ava says that's a sign of a happy set led by good people. I don't know about you, but I feel like I just keep hearing that um, from Oscar Isaac, um, from basically all the new cast members talking about how exciting it is, but not just exciting, but like that there's such a good vibe on the set. And mm-hmm. that makes me really excited. 
Agreed. It's always good to hear that because, I mean, we know that The Last Jedi, while everyone loves Ryan Johnson, I don't think I've heard any bad things about Ryan Johnson or his set. That is an emotionally dark film. And so they have talked a lot about how specifically like Daisy and Adam had to go to some dark places in order to give the kind of performance they did. And it's not because Ryan was a bad person or the set was a bad place, but that's what the story called for. And so the tone was going to be different. And now they're kind of moving into this like last chapter, which is, of course, going to be a little bit more lighthearted because we're, you know, we're upswinging to the conclusion of the saga. Mm -hmm. What's, of course, going to be like rejoiceful in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) So the poem. (laughs) The poem. The poem. (laughs) I am so excited about the poem. Um, Can I read what is on the, the wall? Yes. Because I know that in our prologue, you read a like a huge version of the poem um, and mm-hmm. kind of a different translation to what Vic has on her wall. Mm-hmm. But this is what Vic has on her wall, and we're very excited. Out beyond right, out beyond wrong, there is a place. I'll meet you there. Four. Four dots, guys. Four there dots. are four dots. There are four dots. I... I just saw this the last time I was looking at the picture, like right before we started recording, and it's a little blurry, so it could not be four dots, but it sure looks like four dots. I'm pretty sure it's four dots. Like if you zoom in, I, th- I think it's four. I dots, think it's four. But dots. I don't want to like hang my hat on that because, like, what if it's not? But like, I think it is. <laughs> If you guys listen to our crawl episode, you would know that we're kind of obsessed with the whole four dot thing, and mm-hmm. every crawl ends with four dots. So except I feel like it is. Except for Return of the Jedi. Except for Return of the Jedi. I, oh my Bless. God. I, <laughs> um, I feel like it is kind of meaningful and purposeful to put four dots behind that. And I just, it has to do with Star Wars, right? Like this whole mood board. I know that Ava commented, and I think that we should mention this. Ava was like, this was totally approved um, and okay to post, but come on. Like, this is, like, so juicy, and even though it basically gives nothing away, it is enough to satisfy us speculatory fans um, for a Mm -hmm. while, right? Yeah. I mean, we got a whole episode out of it, so... The thing about it is that it one, it's not giving us anything specific, but it's giving us like the tone that they're kind of going for, the the vibe that she had in mind while she was working, which is honestly a, a mix of things, which I mean, we talked about how this film is, is of course, you know, we're ending, it's going to be somewhat triumphant. It, it could have a bit of a bittersweet ending, but there's going to be that sweetness there somewhere, which I think we see with like the pink fluffy coat on Vader. Um, but then you have these serious ideas that are presented um, in the poem, um, some of the like landscape images that we see, even like the inclusion of Hans Dice is obviously very um, bittersweet, uh, given Han's character. And so I think it's it's showing us these like vibes and tones that we're going to see represented in the film, even if it's not showing us, you know, act one, Ray ignites the lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's go through the quote. Um, do you want to break it down, Caitlin? Yeah, so there are, so the poem, The Great Wagon by Rumi is um, obviously not originally in English. So if you look at different translations of it, um, it'll look a little differently depending on whose translation you're reading. Uh, So the one that we read, there are some parts that really just kind of remind us of Raylo, especially the part that Charlotte first read, out beyond right, out beyond wrong, there is a place, I'll meet you there. Like if this is not the most Raylo quote I've ever heard in my life... (laughs) 
I don't know what is. <laughs> it's so Raylo. It's so, Immediately mean- seeing it. So it's funny because just to like bring it back, we were tagged in someone posting this quote and then an image of Ray and Kylo. And Caitlin had sent it to me. And it I didn't realize that it was from this because I was on vacation and kind of outside of the Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. And it already fit because <laughs> with yeah. that photo. So, so I, it's just, it's really funny. I didn't realize it either when I first sent it to you. I was like, oh, this is like so poetic and like feels like Raylo. And then like a couple hours later when it was like, oh no, this is from Vic's mood board, someone personally involved in Star Wars. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> Working brings- on episode nine. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like out beyond right the light side out beyond wrong the dark side there is a place i'll meet you there that sounds like a force bond to me for sure i mean i don't know if i'd go with force bond i can totally i feel like it just reminds me so much of that quote in the beginning of the force awakens uh young adult novelization um and can i read that yes um first comes the day then comes the night after the darkness shines through the light, the difference, they say, is only made right by resolving the gray through a fine Jedi sight. The Journal of the Wills, 7477. Um, and that is in Alan Dean Foster's The Force Awakens, and it starts essentially the sequel trilogy. And um, I think that a lot of Raylo fans kind of refer to this quote because, and it often I feel like gets a little misconstrued about the whole gray part because... Often people take that as like the gray Jedi thing, which we've actually talked a lot about on the show, even before we could define ourselves as Raylos. But um, I love that the, the difference they say is only made right by resolving the gray through refined Jedi sight. So mm-hmm. if, if you can compare this quote, which started off the sequel trilogy, to potentially this quote that is kind of leading the end of um, the sequel trilogy, I I find it so great that there's... Both of these are kind of balancing and finding and meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they're both about is how can they resolve this extreme on one side and extreme on the other and meet somewhere. Um, where is that place? Whether it is a physical place or a spiritual place, it just really gets the imagination going and makes me so excited. Mm-hmm. That extremism we've talked about is bad on both sides. You know, that was part of what led the Jedi down like that blinded them to the realities of the dark side and the prequel trilogy was that they were too extreme on one side rooted in like the bureaucracy of the Jedi order rather than what being a Jedi was spiritually about. And then we have Kylo who's kind of been like thrust in between these two worlds, like the world of like the Jedi order with Luke and then with the dark side with Snoke. And right now he's been like pooled and chosen to go to the dark side. And then we have someone like Rey who had an opportunity to or thought she wanted to be trained as a Jedi, but didn't really understand what that meant. And Mm -hmm. Luke, who was a little wiser, I think, in The Last Jedi and kind of saw the error of his ways, but still, like, struggled with it, like, didn't know how to teach her. And that's what he tells Yoda. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't be what she needs me to be. And Yoda's like, no, 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 no. Like, you've got it all wrong. (laughs) What she needs you to be is, like, there for her and, like, show her what went wrong. Um, because that's mm-hmm. how she's going to have that refined Jedi sight and then be able to show that to Kylo too. And that place where they meet in the middle is where that happens. And one of the things I like is a little further down in the poem, it says, um, 
When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrases, each other doesn't make any sense. And I like that because it's like, it's kind of painting the picture of this world where these concepts that we had built up about like dark side and light side and like Jedi and Sith um, don't really apply and they don't make sense because we've talked a lot about Kylo and Rey as these like manifestations of the cosmic force or these like tools of the cosmic force, which is like very intertwined to the ideas of fate and destiny. And so they kind of operate outside of our like typical words for light and dark side, i.e. Jedi and Sith. Like they're supposed to be something more. They're supposed to like find the true and like final balance. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of recently Jason Fry did a The Lost Jedi novelization was just released on paperback and Jason Fry did a whole thread and he talked a little bit about how you can consider the Rey and Kylo relationship as romantic if you want, but in actuality it could potentially be something even more than that Mm -hmm. because of how much they know about each other. It is something that we you know, in our world, (laughs) to get a little meta, don't really understand just because um, they have seen each other's every move, their their past, their future. They know so much about each other that it almost goes past the simple definition of romance, which I know a lot of people talked about. But um, I think that that this quote reminds me of it, ideas, language, and even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. And I think um, now in the sequel trilogy, we're a little bit further apart for, from like, if you can look at, if you can look at Anakin and Padme as almost this like simplistic version of a tragic romance. And then you have Han and Leia in its own tragic tragedy as a romance. It's like, I feel like we've moved a little bit past those when we've talked about this on the show before those simple simple i hate the word simple but those type of archetypes and we've moved into something that's even bigger than that and um yeah i i don't know i feel like Mm -hmm. that really defines it yeah and then there's even a quote for a little further down like at the end of the poem that says um but we have ways within each other that will never be said by anyone and they, Adam and Daisy both talked about how, like, there's a very thin line that separates Ray and Kylo and that they're two sides of the same coin and they now understand each other better than anyone else. And we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. this, too, in episode nine, how that's probably going to be a source of tension between Ray and other people, that they're not going to understand the choices that she made because she's the only one that really knows Kylo Ren, that really knows Ben Solo, even better than Leia, I would argue. Mm-hmm. at this juncture. Yeah. Um, and so like when they're in that place, it doesn't matter what their names are. It doesn't matter where they come from. They like recognize something like intrinsically in each other about themselves. Right. And I think this plays into what Ray and Kylo are supposed to do as instruments of the cosmic force. Um, mm-hmm. Their destinies are something greater than potentially even – we can guess as you know fans of the story Mm -hmm. i think that it just remains to be seen about how they're going to resolve this and i know that in this trilogy where they've really pushed and defined the force in a new way than i wasn't expecting it will come to a head in episode nine and kind of surprise us in whatever they do next with the force because Mm -hmm. they just keep pushing its boundaries i've said this a thousand times but um i I just feel like we're going to see a whole new definition of what like soulmate essentially means through the force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
One of the things I like too about this poem is that it has kind of some like easy parallels to the films, starting in the first stanza that says, water turns pearly, fire dies down and doesn't destroy. We of course have that um, water scene between, I think it's the second force bond connection where they're like starting Mm -hmm. to kind of infiltrate each other's worlds. And then fire dies down and doesn't destroy. We see that at the end. I mean, the fire does physically destroy what's happened on the supremacy, but if you want to like take it, make it a little bit more meta, it doesn't really destroy their relationship as completely mm-hmm. as perhaps you think it does. Obviously, they're at a point of conflict um, and disagreement with one another. But as we've said, you know, they've hung up on the force bond. It's not a blocked collar. <laughs> um, so fire <laughs> dies down. It doesn't destroy. And then too, um, later on in the poem, it says, the breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. And of course, the force force connection is when they're in the morning time and when Ray wakes up and she sees Kylo there with her. Um, so the breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. She eventually finds out the secret that Luke has been lying to her. Don't go back to sleep. And then you must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. She asks that in the dark side cave. What she really wants to know is who her family is. She really wants to know who she is. Um, and she can't sleep on that truth any longer if she's going to move forward and become who she's really meant to be. Wow, it's so true. So good. Oh, it's, it's so Raylo. <laughs> it really is so Raylo. I mean, the thing is, is that we warned you guys in the beginning of this episode. I feel like since I believe that Raylo is the theme of the sequel trilogy, it is so reassuring to see this type of quote on. Vic's mood board I don't really know like let's just can we just talk about like what else could this possibly refer to I suppose that like it's just a cool quote right I guess you could you could possibly say that that it means nothing but it does mean something right because this is in her office yeah in in Pinewood with a bunch of essentially like I don't know there's sets um, there's shots from movies. There's Darth Vader. There's literally a the the crawl from the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. It's Star Warsy. Ray is on her desk. Like it means something, and it is like like the guiding mood. It's a literal mood board for the theme of what is coming up in Episode Nine. Yeah, I because I've tried to because you know you don't want to look at something like this and just automatically have on like your Raylo goggles, which. I'm very apt to do (laughs) and just like assume that everything I'm reading, I'm reading it through a lens of like assuming that Raylo is like canon. You know what I mean? And this, Mm -hmm. this always reminds me of the like amazing point that Kirstie and Rachel brought up on Scavengers Horde right after The Last Jedi came out where they said, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, that, that period after The Last Jedi came out was really tumultuous (laughs) for the fandom. Um, and, and still is, of course, but was particularly high right after the film came out. And they were talking about Redemption, and they said, you know, as people who believe in Redemption and have since The Force Awakens, we're more likely to view these films like through that particular lens. And in a way, we've already redeemed Kylo. And so when we watch the films, like we kind of look for those clues and can run the risk of making those kinds of clues a bigger deal than they actually are. And so I always keep that in mind when I see things like this and I'm like, okay, am I looking at this logically, academically, intelligently, or am I looking at this through <laughs> like a, I really just want to see Daisy and Adam on screen together and like see the Rayla relationship again. But when I try to look at this quote and see how it fits into Star Wars without the Raylo component, 
I don't know how to. And I feel like I've genuinely tried to do that. And I'm not sure how it works. Um, because it reminds me, I mean, out beyond right and out beyond wrong, Kylo and Ray are like these manifestations of right and wrong right now in the films. And so your mind just automatically kind of puts them in those places within the poem. And then there's a place I'll meet you there that sounds like somewhere in the middle, which as we said earlier is like the great Jedi and Ray and Kylo had this like defining moment where they were literally back to back in the middle of this battle. And so I don't like, I don't know how to spin it where it's not about Raylo, <laughs> like that it could be about something else. It's it, it, to me, it's all about refining and finding that middle ground, which we've always said is going to be the end of the sequel trilogy. Since we have these two extremes, Ray, literal ray of light and Kylo Ren, the embodiment of dark, allegedly, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that in the most simplistic terms, that's where your brain goes when you think about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it has never been subtle um, in those kind of themes, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm with you. I think that th to bring up that about how we've already redeemed Kylo in our mind, I think that that's definitely something to always consider. Um, and I hope that – I really do hope that Kylo does get redeemed in Episode Nine, just so that – I don't know. I, this is kind of like – me being like, I want everyone to experience the sequel trilogy the way I have, but I hope that people can watch back the sequel trilogy the way that many have watched back the prequel trilogy and see more um, in its construction. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like when and once they they understand the end point, that they can go back and appreciate it for see. like potentially how we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, see how the clues were kind of lined up. Because it's always easier to see something as a whole once it's completed, but we are just getting pieces of it right now. And that can make it difficult. Mm -hmm. um, of course. The last piece of the of the poem that I really liked and like kind of reminded me of that crack theory. It's not I don't I don't even think it's so much of a crack theory if I'm being honest, but the like <laughs> Annie Dalla parallel to Ray and Kylo and mm -hmm. this like mission of like saving someone from death as well. Um, so this stanza here in the poem that says, I would love to kiss you. The price of kissing is your life. Now my loving is running toward my life, shouting, What a bargain, let's buy it. It just like I don't know. It kind of brings to mind that image of like sacrificial love, but then also that like being willing to make that sacrifice, and also like possibly bringing someone back to life through the act of like love. But it's also dangerous. Like the price of kissing is your life. I don't know. Yes, I don't really know how it relates, yes. but it just like reminded me of the like reverse Annie Dalla and saving someone from death. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> give me that. I the more time goes by the more I really do think that that's going to happen um I definitely like I really feel in my bones that there's going to be something spiritual that happens in the force in in terms of like whether Ray and Kylo both die and then are like I don't know I don't know how it works or one of them dies and is brought back to life and um I think that it will beautifully parallel Anakin and Padme in some mm -hmm. way I just the more the closer we get to the movie the more I'm like honestly like have convinced myself yeah. that something intense is going to happen with the force with these two um, I think so too you know I think so too and it just it always brings me back to the last Jedi end scene versus Revenge of the Sith end scene and I'm like those scenes are too similar for there not to be a pretty strong connection that we're supposed to make as an audience between these two groups of characters it just yeah I'm for like, sure and it's also like these two characters have already fought um 
in like a pretty rudimentary battle, right? In in the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to meet again, what's the next step for that? It's not going to be another battle. It is mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, but it's not going to end the same way that it did last time. Yeah. It is going to end by some sort of um force I don't know, opening happening. Um, And I think it could potentially parallel the fact that the ground literally split open between them. Maybe it'll be something coming together. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we talked about the crawl. What about the dice? Um, I love that the dice are there. I think it's the dice. I mean, it's so far it, away, it's hard. It but I do feel like, like that dice. is like a – I feel like it's a contact sheet of the dice, like, nailed there, say, underneath labeled Han's dice. Han's, <laughs> these are Han's dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, um, Courtney – Courtney from Who Talks First recently got to go to the Oscars library and see The Last Jedi script. And in the script, it says, in a patch of light, the dice um, on the ground, uh, Kyle, it's something about the dice being placed in a patch of light. And to me, that just reinforces the importance of the dice as like this connectivity to Han Solo. Um, And I love that Kylo picks it up at the end and it disappears and in this like uh last hope basically <laughs> and mm-hmm. it and it kind of uh I don't know what do you think about it I think it's clear that it's going to come back up again and it's going to be a I mean it's they've made it quite the symbol now throughout the Disney era that it kind of was in the original trilogy but not really um and so i think they have to bring it back full circle and i think it'll i mean i could see it being something really poetic that like i mean this is what like all of the like wishful thinking of the raylo community is like the episode nine ends with ray and kylo or ray and ben in the um cockpit of the falcon and ben like hangs up the dice in the cockpit and they blast off together (laughs) into like the proverbial sunset (laughs) um but i wouldn't be surprised if they do do something like that because the very first like meta if you even want to call it that that i wrote about star wars after the force awakens was the fact that like han's death is the catalyst for kylo's redemption and the dice mm-hmm. are this like continuing like symbolism of that sacrifice that are now kind of following kylo around throughout these films and so i think that it'll either continue to be that symbol for him before he turns back to the light side or before he is redeemed um or it will be afterwards like it almost be like this like token for him now as like a reminder of where he's come from totally and i think that lucasfilm and we'll get into this because we got an amazing question about this but um i was watching solo on a flight recently and i was kind of struck by the fact that solo begins with han you know igniting this speeder that he's stealing and so it essentially begins with sparks right it begins with sparks of light and I, I love that it's kind of bridging this. It made me think of the Poe and Haldo line of we're the spark that will light the fire, that will restore the resistance or burn the First Order down. Um, and I, I just I think it's kind of a little bit poetic if you can look at, through, look at it through this lens of Han being the spark for Ben Solo's return to the light mm-hmm. um, since his sacrifice does have to mean something. And it's. I think it's no surprise that the solo movie, um, the fir- essentially the first time we see Han Solo in his like younger days, um, begins with this like burst of sparks 
and sparks of light. Mm-hmm. I remember when you sent me that like stream of thought about the start of Solo and I was like, wow, <laughs> yes, 100% yes. <laughs> it's so fitting. I mean, character introductions are so important. Mm-hmm. They, it's, it's a big part of – I mean, Ray and Kylo's character introduction is so fantastic, mm-hmm. and um, that's Hans now, right? Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. It really is. It really is. Um, just another good example of how these films are all connected, even if they are anthology films, um, especially when we're dealing yes. with like our core characters and our legacy characters. Definitely. Um, what do you think about the – there's like a femme fatale um, – woman in a cool hat with a gun um i have a theory that like this could potentially be like a um i don't necessarily think i don't know i have a theory that it could (laughs) be an inspiration for like carrie russell's character Mm -hmm. um i have high hopes for her character at this point i've i really hope that she's a knight of ren i've said this before but i i think this look is so cool that i know that they had um Kira in some really cool hats in Solo and I hope that like hats make a return or I don't know if we've ever even seen hats in Star Wars. Fascinators? Um, But yeah Fascinators. (laughs) I I hope that it makes an appearance in Star Wars because I love this outfit and I love this look. It's so cool. Um, I'm sure the outfit will be really cool. I'm still so suspect of these new characters coming in because as I said, when we first talked about them, when they were announced, I'm like, every new character is like at least five minutes away from Ray and Kylo in the film. <laughs> and that stresses me out. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, but I hope, I don't know, I hope it kind of applies to Rose too. I can't wait to see what kind of leadership position she's in in episode nine. So it'd be great to see her like honing in her skills that way too. Yeah, I actually I I actually think it would be really cool to see Rose in this kind of outfit because, I mean, she was in kind of like a frumpy jumpsuit before and she was supposed to have that amazing reveal that was going to be like extremely tropey on Canto Bite, remember? <laughs> yes. Um, where she was going to like appear on this. And I'm glad they cut this out, but I kind of like I'm missing this moment of Rose like basically changing outfits. I want her to have a new outfit and I think this one would be really cool. And I know that that is like the most girly thing I've ever said, but I think Rose <laughs> would look extremely badass in a hat and this like all black outfit. Mm-hmm. It would be awesome. Yeah, black leather with like a gun holster. Yes. She would rock it. So she looks so cool. She'd yeah. Look so great. Yeah. I'm for it. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we ready to start diving in on questions? Yes, let's do it. All right, welcome to part two where we're talking about the questions we got through email. And the reason we kind of separated it out like this, like email versus Twitter, is that our email questions tended to be a little bit more in-depth, and so we wanted to kind of give them their own space um, so we could like read the email from the listener and then kind of talk about the ideas that they presented in them. So if you don't know, if you ever want to email us questions, you can email us at skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com. And we love getting emails. Sometimes we're a little slow to respond, (laughs) Um, but we do try to answer the questions on the show or respond back to you, um, even if it is a little belated. So, (laughs) Um, but this first one we got was from Safia Perrin, and I'm really sorry if I said your name incorrectly. 
Um, but she had this great email kind of talking about the um, like the uh, v- like the perspective of these films, like basically like if it was from the perspective of like tropes and types of media that young boys are familiar with for the original trilogy versus tropes and like media that young girls are familiar with in the sequel trilogy. Um, so she writes like fairy tales, heroines, journeys, feminine myths, Jane Austen, Bronte, romance, etc. They took these things many young girls would be familiar with, or at least somewhat familiar, and recontextualized them within a Star Wars story, particularly in regards to the Raylo dynamic and narrative. And if that is the case, if that's what they're doing, do you think the Raylo theory still being thought of as simplistic or wishful thinking, fan fiction, or something separate from serious speculation or analysis is a subtle form of gatekeeping? She goes on to say, I feel like there is this widespread assumption within the general Star Wars fandom community that Raylos are these type of outliers, people and fans who don't really get Star Wars, that we aren't really here to analyze and appreciate the text and canon as it is or as it's meant to be. But I would argue that the text invites our interpretation. But not only that, it invites the frameworks and context that we are familiar with and expects us to use that contextual knowledge, whether it's in familiar tropes, similar stories and plot structures, recognizable aesthetics, etc., to gain value from the text, and therefore analyze it accurately, and maybe even use that analysis to drive our speculation. Do you agree with that argument? And do you think the uptick in members in the Star Wars fandom community being quite vocal about people, but Raylos in particular, managing or lowering their expectations going into Episode Nine in regards to Raylo and Ben's story, are a sign that they still view our analysis as inherently weaker, despite the fact that much of The Last Jedi was correctly predicted by our community? And if so, do you think it's a subtle form of gatekeeping? It's not a subtle form of gatekeeping. It's a form of gatekeeping. <laughs> and I <laughs> I feel like what you just said, I think that this is a beautifully written email mm-hmm. and I completely agree with the fact that um, we've talked about this on our show about how um, the sequel trilogy is following a fairy tale, a heroine's journey. It is recycling these concepts that have been even mentioned by Ryan Johnson. You know, I, I was thinking about the other day about how Ryan Johnson literally said, he referred to the proposal scene on in the throne room similar to the Notting, Notting Hill, Hill scene. Literally Notting Hill, which is like as rom-com and romance as they get. And I feel like Star Wars is a, an amalgamation of all these different genres, of all these different um, – we're supposed to understand all these different references. And of course um, – we are invited to think about these things. And um, these. this is the point of art is we're supposed to um, consume it and think about it and relate it to other forms, especially Star Wars that is so heavily inspired from outside sources. Mm-hmm. And um, I completely agree that it is a form of gatekeeping in that it really frustrates me when the Raylo thought point and, you know, it may, maybe even even has to do with, like, the form that a lot of this thinking about this analyzation is kind of put around this bracket of Raylo. And it is honestly has been something that I've been hesitant and pretty publicly hesitant to kind of say I've in, like, between you and me, listeners, <laughs> I've tried to, like, instill the Raylo mindset without saying Raylo because I really just want it to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I know, Caitlin, you feel the same mm-hmm. way, right? And it, it hurts me because, like you said, the the last Jedi was 
extremely accurately predicted through fan fiction, through metas. There's so much evidence that um, points to that being um, predicted by this community. And it really hurts mm-hmm. me because the community is a majority of women. Yeah. And um, yes, the, the, the fandom is kind of pivoting to recognizing women's stories. And no doubt about that, given the fact that the sequel trilogy centers around a women's story. Even Rogue One had a center of a women's story. It just like it. Yeah, I, I'm getting worked up. <laughs> I can, you I go can ahead. Hear you. <laughs> um, I mean, to share a bit of a personal story. So I don't did we announce this on the show, right, that we were accepted to the podcast stage. No, we haven't, we, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in really exciting news, we taught, we announced it on Twitter. Um, but Charlotte mm-hmm. and I are going to be on the podcast stage at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, which uh, we're really, really excited about and really, really nervous about. Um, but one of the things that they asked us to do was to submit a basically like a, a 250 word description of our show. And Charlotte and I had a really long conversation about if we were going to include Raylo in our show description. And I mean, like, to be perfectly honest, we didn't um, because we were worried about what people would think. And perhaps and and like the text conversation and we even talked about on the phone, too, like we know we support Raylo and we've long grown past being not ashamed, but um, hesitant about saying that on our show. Um, It's not a secret by any means, but we're still like really worried and anxious about people writing off the things that we have to say because we're labeled as a Raylo podcast. And that's just like the honest to God truth about it, Um, which is really frustrating because while we were writing up our description, we're like, we are a Raylo podcast. Like it's, it's not the focus of our podcast by any means because we like to talk about all of Star Wars. But you and I talked about, you know, what are these people who don't support Raylo? They're not even going to give our show a chance because they don't want to hear that perspective and they have like preconceived notions about what a Raylo podcast is or what a person who supports Raylo is. And that was really mm-hmm. um, frustrating to work through ourselves, like knowing that that's something that we support in Star Wars, but also feeling like we couldn't talk about it because it would pigeonhole us. Like it would, like people would have their own stereotypes about what our show is. And that was, so, I mean, yeah, it it is a form of gatekeeping and it's something that we're still dealing with today (laughs) um, in really like big (laughs) and tangible ways. Despite having a full episode that's probably going to have something about Raylo in the title, it still is something that we can constantly think about just as we don't necessarily, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of label phobic Mm -hmm, um, in this way. I don't really want to be put into a box ever. Mm -hmm. And um, I hate that. I hate that like I, I, I wish that I could like totally and I have like totally like thrown my arms around in like a big embrace of the Raylo community I love that whole community and I love being a part of it it's just um there is that like sense of your theories are less than Mm -hmm. because you're overanalyzing you don't understand the canon and I don't know it's it's hard for me because I feel like I do understand the canon I've been in this fandom for like basically more than half my life at this point. And 
I have read almost every book. I've watched all the TV shows. I I don't really need to prove myself as a fan. And I don't think anyone should just because they like a particular pair and they want to um, go into pretty extensive speculation about the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's even – it reminds me a lot of when um, we – had our last Jedi Q&A where we got so many questions that were like, are you actually Raylo or not? Because you keep <laughs> avoiding the question on the podcast. <laughs> and it's true we were because <laughs> even though – like if you go back and listen to our reaction podcast, I wish we had clips of it pulled up actually because it's honestly hilarious listening back. Um, <laughs> you and I are like – we've got to talk about Raylo. And then the next sentence we were like, I don't know if we want to talk about Raylo. Um, And even though, like, privately we had talked about, like, okay, yeah, now we actually ship it. At the time, like, back in January and December, it was like, okay, what's going to happen when we say this on the show? Because there was so much, like, violent discourse about it at the time. And, like, once we, like, dove in, it was like, oh, my God, this is great. Um, We still get, like, comments and stuff about it and how, like – Honestly, the first one-star rating we got for the show was after – was literally the episode where we said that we supported Raylo. And maybe it's not connected, but I think it's connected. Sure <laughs> it's like hard it. not It's yeah. hard not to make that assumption. And it could be something completely different, um, but it's hard not to make that assumption. And um, – I've seen that happen to other yeah, shows exactly. as well. It's not – that's not just Yeah, us. and it's frustrating that – and you and you wrote this like really beautifully sad letter <laughs> in that episode about like how nervous you were to say it. And you were like, I'm, and I think you said exactly like, I'm worried that by saying I support Raylo, I'm pigeonholing our show. Um, and our show is about so much more than one character or one relationship. And I know we joke a lot about how we talk about Kylo Ren a lot, but we really do strive to talk about all aspects of Star Wars, not just one trilogy or one character or one movie. Um, because that's, I don't know, that's just how we set up our show. Um, but yeah, it is a form of gatekeeping mm-hmm. and it does feel like the Raylo opinion is often counted as less than because it does have a romantic, um, like a traditionally romantic vein to it. And how that mm-hmm. is a woman's story. It's been geared towards women historically for all of time, basically. And how that's <laughs> always been viewed as lesser than it still is. But I think what you said, Sophia, is that this is being told now from a woman's perspective or is trying to at least because as we know, Star Wars and Ray's story have been written by men, um, which of course puts an interesting mm-hmm. spin on it. So that was like a really long-winded way of us saying, yeah, um, putting down the Raylo theory is a form of gatekeeping. Also, art demands to be analyzed. Mm-hmm. And if your <laughs> people aren't analyzing your art, I think you did something wrong. Yeah. And um, – never let that you know never let people who say that you're looking too far into something stop you from looking far Mm -hmm. into something I that's what I think at least exactly I mean I I literally got my majors in English and I my entire (laughs) college career was looking too deeply into stuff I literally can't stop it I actually can't watch a movie without thinking too deeply about it it's actually sometimes I'm like wow can I just turn off my brain for a second and not think about this and like what does this mean historically (laughs) and like in terms of the genre and should I even be thinking about something in terms of a genre does it matter are we past the form of genre I think (laughs) about this all the time with every single thing I watch 
it's it's exhausting being me. <laughs> there was this tweet a couple weeks ago from uh, the I think it was the director of The Incredibles Two, and someone had tweeted at him. I can't remember his name, and they were basically talking about the art. Brad Bird. Yeah, thank you. Um, someone had tweeted Brad Bird a screenshot <laughs> from The Incredibles too, and in it the um the mom was in a hotel room, and the artwork on the hotel in the hotel room was like four red figures grouped together and then one red figure by her by itself and it was just like it was oval it was shapes it wasn't like people it was shapes and the twitter user was like hey brad bird um is this meant to represent how like the mom feels like separated from her family right now and brad bird was like yeah a hundred percent like good eye and i was like oh my god that's like a piece of artwork in a hotel room in an animated children's film Mm -hmm. like if yeah, if I remember the, the the person that tweeted was like, am yeah. I overanalyzing this? Am I looking too far into this? Sorry if I'm doing that. I just thought this was really interesting. And he was like, no, the, the, yeah, he that's was like, right. No, that's literally why the picture <laughs> looks the way it does. And it's like if, if filmmakers are putting enough effort into the artwork in a hotel room for a character, um, the fact that Ryan Johnson like so blatantly mirrored Ray and Kylo and Anakin and Padme, like there's a reason for that. And as we said earlier, totally. maybe it's not an explicitly romantic reason, like how we tend to think of romance, um, given like the ramifications of like the cosmic force and like fate and destiny and like soulmates could look like a lot of different things, not just romance. But there's there's some like very strong, tangible connection between those two groups of characters. And given that one is a married couple, you have to consider that romantic option, I think. For sure. Definitely. I think uh, The Last Jedi begs you to consider that. in a big way. Whew. Okay. Okay. So, (laughs) I know. Um, The second question we got on email was from Katie McCourt. She asks, my question is that given the history of of American directors utilizing elements of Japanese anime in their films, i.e. JJ in the Japanese film Your Name, do you believe that JJ directing a red string of fate story will have implications for Rey and Kylo's relationship in episode episode nine, especially considering that the elements of red string of fate are already in the sequel trilogy down to the scarring of by the eyebrow? So... One, thank you, Katie, so much for reminding me how much I love the film Your Name. <laughs> um, Your Name is an <laughs> animated film from Japan that came out in 2016 and just like broke all kinds of records, both in Japan and in the U.S. Um, it did better than Spirited Away, Charlotte, which I know is your favorite Miyazaki film. Um, it did better it. than Spirited mm-hmm. Away. <laughs> um it, that, which is yeah. crazy because Spirited Away literally took yeah, the world by the, storm. So I actually haven't seen your name. So, Caitlin, you have to like fill yeah, everyone so in about it. JJ is directing um, a live action form of your name. Um, and your name is very much like this kind of combination of science and like religion and destiny and very much plays on the red string of fate. Um, to do a brief synopsis, you basically have two characters who are connected by this red string of fate. Um, there's a bit of time travel and body swapping involved. Um, it's very mystical. It is a romance um, and it is so good. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> 10 for 10 recommend. I was riveted and the animation in it is beautiful. And at one point, the characters meet in this like sacred space that is it's like a field and like an infinity lake on top of a mountain. And it's a place where time doesn't exist. And it's like where they're destined to meet each other. 
And they are connected by this like literal red ribbon that is a continuing motif throughout the film. And that they kind of pass back and forth between each other, the two lead characters. Um, so to answer your question, Katie, yes, I think it's there's a 100% connection because I feel like J.J. Abrams – is probably like so obsessed with this film. Obviously, if he's doing a remake of it, but just like the depth of like Japanese mythology that you can dive into that are represented in this film, all go back to these like core themes that we see in Star Wars. Not only is Star Wars very heavily influenced by Asian mythology and Asian philosophy, but even just like the red string of fate and the idea of like destiny and like two characters that are fated to be together. And, you know, the red string of fate, it's like, even if it tangles or twists or like gets in knots, like it's never broken. And these characters are still um, connected to each other, even if they don't know it. And we've talked about this a lot with Ray and Kylo, that there's this possibility that they um, have been having like visions and dreams of each other for like their whole life, but have never really known what they meant or even probably even be cognizant of them until they finally do actually meet. And it's like, oh, I know you. Um, and that's a lot of what is mm-hmm. happening in the movie Your Name. So please go watch Your Name <laughs> and then tell me how you feel about it. You can get it on YouTube um, in English for two ninety nine. I sent it to Charlotte. <laughs> so I'm hoping she watches it. <laughs> um, yeah. I will. I will. I'm sold. Yeah, so. it's, it's really good. I I feel like it is meaningful that – JJ would respond to a story like this so much so that he'd want to direct it. I mean, at this point, JJ can pick whatever project he wants to do. And of course, he is um, directing a story where the red string of fate is like front and center. And I mean, after The Last Jedi, it is clear. Um, so I think it's really cool. I have to watch the mm-hmm. movie. That's what I a think great it question. was announced in 2017 from the article that Katie sent us um, that he was doing this, which, you know, totally makes sense if we're tracking along with, like, The Last Jedi and, like, how much J.J. Uh, Abrams loved uh, Ryan Johnson's screenplay of The Last Jedi. And, of course, like, a lot of the imagery that was coming out um, from Ryan Johnson's Twitter was, like, spools of red thread. And, like, mm-hmm. that's what this means. Um, is two characters that are destined to be together. So, Rayla with mm-hmm. canon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then the last email question we got is a really interesting question from Zelda S. And Zelda writes, um, can you guys see how many people do consider certain aspects of Raylo to be problematic or unhealthy, abusive, toxic, or any other negative adjective? She writes, I'm curious to know what kept you invested in the ship when there are so many reasonable points that are being made against it and how you categorize valid criticism in your thoughts about the ship. She writes, full disclosure, I am anti-Raylo, but I don't condone bullying at all against any Raylos. I just want to see civil conversation between both sides. So, Zelda, firstly, thank you so much for your question. Um, It's a good question to ask because there are a lot of good reasons that people don't support Raylo and it can be a hard conversation. And I feel like that's where a lot of the problems can come in between people who do support Raylo and people who don't, because the internet isn't a great place all the time to have those kinds of hard, um, really real conversations. Right. Um, I see it. I understand. I, I think that, um, there are certain parts in The Force Awakens, and I wasn't uh, Raylo until 
um, The Last Jedi really kind of sold me on it. But I think there is a certain interpretation by the um, by the interrogation scene that is a valid viewing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that my personal interpretation of that scene is that they're both equal and the scene serves to show their equivalency. Um, but I can totally see it because I can totally see how it could be problematic. Um, and there are several things like I hate the line and I just, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I hate the line, uh, you know, I can take whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I hate it. But so I can, I can see how those lines can be considered and rub people the wrong way. I totally mm-hmm. get it. I like you wish that we could see civil conversations on both sides about it. And I have had them. I, yeah. Totally. A hundred percent. Um, but I, I understand and I do feel like people bring um, certain modern day understandings into the movie theater and including myself sometimes. And I think that that plays into a lot of how we view this dynamic that we, it's no secret Caitlin and I view as like a Kylo as a Byronic um, hero rather than like an extremely evil menacing villain I think he is a villain but I think that our interpretation is that it's a little bit more complicated than just problematic mm-hmm. yeah I find a lot that when you look at those like quote-unquote problematic and not quote-unquote they are problematic lines um, from Kylo like in The Force Awakens the one you referenced you know I can take whatever I want and then in The Last Jedi you know you're nothing to me and um, when you take those in isolation um, they are a problem and they aren't good things to be saying which which would lead you to like not support Raylo. but I think for me anyway mm-hmm. how I don't want to say justify, but, like, how I view it is when I look at the scene in whole, like you said with the interrogation scene, it is – it's less about him saying, you know, I can take whatever I want and more about her showing that he can't actually do that (laughs) because she's his equal and um, she's the one who Mm -hmm. ends up getting the upper hand over that. Um, But I understand how you wouldn't even want to – have a character like Ray pursue any kind of relationship with someone who one of the first things he says to her is, I can take whatever I want. I totally understand that. Um, and I think what you said too, Charlotte, about how a lot – like coming into the sequel trilogy, we're coming into it with um, a specific worldview of what's going on in the world right now um, and how um, – like scary it is uh, for a lot of women in a lot of places and how some of these lines are really triggering words that I wish I could tweak just a little bit so that it doesn't sound so textbook problem. Um, Because like if you, if you just like if you took out the you're nothing line in the last Jedi, I really don't think there would be as many problems, not problems, but as many, um, like, it wouldn't be as big a deal as it is, like, that whole scene. I could be very wrong about that. Um, right. And you're free to disagree with me, but that's what I've thought. Um, and I think I think the problem mm-hmm. there comes in the fact that we do have men who are writing this story and don't understand how a woman seeing a man say something like, you're nothing but not to me, could be really problematic and triggering because it's a man and he's probably never, like, had to deal with that before. Um, so I think – that comes in part from mm-hmm. the fact that it's not a woman who's writing Ray's story. Um, I don't think that line would have been I, – I don't think that line would have been written the same way. I think the outcome of that scene would have been the same as far as them, like, 
going on separate paths, but I don't think it would have been said that way. Um, and when I think, when I think considering about like, you know, like toxic and abusive relationships, um, I feel like for me, it, it kind of not erases, but we're forgetting like the nine part series and story that's being told here. And we're kind of limiting the story to just the sequel trilogy. Because if the rest of Star Wars didn't exist and it was only the sequel trilogy, I don't know if I would be like pro Raylo, honestly, <laughs> or like pro redemption. Yeah, I think that it's it's what comes before. That yeah, it's exactly. Important. And I think that's part of why I support Raylo is because I think it fits into this nine part story that's being told. Um, because if it was just the sequel trilogy by itself then I, I think I would be in the non-Raylo camp, honestly. I don't know that for sure, but I think I would be. I don't know. I've always liked an enemies to That's lovers or a tragic yeah, romance I, I mean, or anything like that. I, I think, I, I think um, But I don't know. I think I would be more inclined to be non-Raylo if we didn't have the rest of Star Wars to fall back on. But I think that the yeah, way it works with the other six films is so meaningful and exists – like is Star Wars is made to be timeless. And so you kind of have to remove it to a certain degree from the current social climate. Mm-hmm. And I know some people may disagree with that and think that that's not at all what Star Wars is. Like each trilogy has been made in response to the social climate of the decade that it was in. And I think that's true um, when it comes to like the politics represented in these films. I don't know if I agree with that as far as like the character stories, but – you are free to disagree with that. Anyway, I think that was a – I thank you guys so much for emailing us those questions. We have a lot of Twitter questions, so let's dive in. Listen, Big deal. you got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Okay, so welcome to part three, the Twitter questions. So thank you guys so much for sending these in. If you don't follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at SkytalkersPod. And often when we do these Q&As, I know that we'll probably have another one coming up because we're nearing our two-year anniversary of podcasting and we might do another Q&A. Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. I will probably solicit some questions in the future, in the near future, probably not just related to Raylo like we did with this one. Um, So definitely follow us there if you're on Twitter. Um, So our first question is from Nettie Nerfherder. Question, how big of a part do you think the Legacy Saber will slash should have either symbolically or literally in the potential joining of these two individuals? In other words, what role will the Legacy Saber play in Nine concerning Raylo and Ben Demption? I think the Legacy Saber is going to have a big role to play. I said it on, I think, our speculation for Episode 9 episode. Whoa. On our speculation episode for Episode 9 episode. <laughs> um, that <laughs> I really want Ray to fix the Legacy lightsaber and for it to be jagged, just like Kylo's red lightsaber is. Uh, because I want that parallel because she's, like, fusing this crystal back together. Um, and that's going to – it's not going to be perfect once you have to fix it. So I really want it to be jagged and I want it – I want that to be like a visual parallel. As far as like an emotional symbol, it definitely could be um, because it has for the last two films. But I don't know if I really need to see them like passing the saber back and forth between each other. Yeah, I am in a, di- a little bit of a different camp where I agree with you about the saber. It needs to be reconstructed. I hope it's only mm-hmm. Ray that reconstructs it or maybe Kylo will help her. I don't know. I think it will be like a – it's. Basically, I 
believe that the symbolism behind the fact that the saber represents the Skywalker legacy, right now it is completely broken. It's split in half. Right at the end of The Last Jedi asks, like, um, how do we build a rebellion from this? And Leia puts her hand over the saber and says, we have everything we le- we need. I love the idea of her fusing it back together, making a new saber, it being jagged, because the history cannot be erased, but it can be acknowledged. Yes. Um, there is definitely some serious uh, metaphor going on there, if that is so. And I am really hopeful for that. And that's kind of why I'm really kind of anti this double-bladed lightsaber, because I think that it being reconstructed is more of a powerful symbol than creating something new, which is what Kylo wanted to do at the end of The Last Jedi with Rey. And what really needs to happen is an acknowledgement of history in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bless. I think um, after <laughs> – yes, bless, agree. Yes, bless. I almost – just as a side note, I almost wanted our prologue in this episode to be bless up, Raylos, bless up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think outside of like Raylo and Ben Demption, my like biggest wish list for episode nine is a jagged legacy lightsaber, if I'm being honest. I think it would just be like so powerful mm-hmm. if that's what happens. Um and what it means for Raylo is then you have a even further parallel of these um, jagged lightsabers that are kind of crudely constructed. So we know about Kylo's lightsaber is like, I don't know, it was parodied on SNL, right? Yeah, it's 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 a mess. It's like a little kid made it is what they say in SNL. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that you have like this amazing parallel of maybe episode nine beginning with Ray presenting this like newly constructed lightsaber that she learned how to construct from the Jedi text that she stole. And um, here she has like fused the lightsaber back together. It works really well, even though it's a little jagged and you have Kylo on the other hand, whose lightsaber is like a total mess. Sure. It works fine, but it's a total mess and everyone doesn't really take it seriously. And I think that you have Ray. <laughs> it's like it's it's really two sides of the same coin, but they will represent completely opposite things. I just do remember seeing Kylo's lightsaber for the first time in the Force Awakens teaser, where it's them in the forest, and you, you don't see Kylo's face; you just see the stomp and then the the Iconic. long beam and then the the cross guard. I mean. I remember you thinking it was super cool and me being a little speculative. Not speculative. Yeah. Um, just a little, like, concerned about it. I, I was like, yeah. I don't know about that. That's kind of weird. Guys, but I've always been a Carlos stan before I even saw his face. <laughs> it was November 2014, Black Friday. Caitlin was into it. And nothing would ever be the same. <laughs> it's so true. I do love the, like, visual symbolism. I mean, I, I, I guess I kind of said that I don't know if it's going to play a big as like bigger role but I kind of it will because it it already has like this idea of like that the saber didn't come to Kylo in the Force Awakens and then it's equally pooled between them in the last Jedi I think is so important um and so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of remedy that or conclude that story about like where the saber is going <laughs> even mm-hmm. though like they've said it's Rey's saber it still went to Kylo in mm-hmm. The Last Jedi, which I think is really important because in The Force Awakens, he couldn't call it at all. But in The Last Jedi, he's like having equal control over it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Anyway, um, 
Thank you for the question. Our next question is from our friend Alex Leonis, and she writes, what are each of your favorite Raylo fanfics? My favorite is Sword of the Jedi. I've actually mentioned this on the show before, but Thea's current current fanfiction landscape with a blur of conquerors is the one that I'm like currently obsessed with every time there's an update <laughs> I like drop everything I text mm-hmm. our friend Amy and Caitlin it's you know it's going down nothing else can happen until I read <laughs> this update well, what's funny is that Alex is in a group chat with us about fan fiction and it pretty much revolves around landscape so like Alex you know this is one of our favorite fan <laughs> 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 um, it's a good one it's a good one. Um, but one, just a reminder, remember when you wouldn't read Sword of the Jedi? And I was like, oh, my God, you have to read Sword of the Jedi. Sword I, of the like, Jedi is amazing. I, like, dropped everything I was doing for, like, a week to read Sword of the Jedi. It was insane. <laughs> it was – oh, my God. It was so good. Um, so, so Sword of the Jedi is one of my favorites. Um, Play to Win by Commander Kate. Um, is also an amazing fic, and I've gotten to actually hang out with the author. We sound like like so bougie. Like I've hung out with the fanfic author, um, <laughs> um, but it's a modern AU, which usually I'm not a modern AU kind of gal. But the becoming a Raylo, I feel like I've read a lot more modern AUs. But it's a gaming one, and it's so good. Like the premise, you're like this could not work at all, but it does. It works so well. Um, so play to win, uh, sort of the Jedi and landscapes with the Board of consequences, and then um, my I always get conquer- the last word word, word it's, wrong. It's consequences. Always. It's Conquerors. Are we sure? I looked it up. 100%. Wow. I really love it, but honestly, I just refer to it as Landscapes. <laughs> Me too. It's actually um, just Landscape. See, that's the weird thing. <laughs> it's, just- <laughs> we- <laughs> it's actually just Landscape with a blur of Conquerors. Why do I say Consequences? I don't know, because we always just know. say Landscape or Landscape. It's just yeah, a, like, landscapes a quick is updated. referral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but then my favorite one shot, which I know I've mentioned on the show, is my wildest win come blow into my room. Y'all, this one shot breaks my heart every time I read it. It is so good. It's basically a series of vignettes um, that take place after The Last Jedi. And it has all the conversations that you want Ray and Kylo to have. And they're so in character. And it's just so amazing. It's so good. I reread it every couple of months, and every time I read it, I'm just I'm shook to my core again about how good it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's this part. Can I read an excerpt from it? Sure. I've like this like like flashback to two years ago, Charlotte, when we were like we're not talking about fan fiction on the podcast. <laughs> Literally, rule number one. Rule number one before we started Sky Talkers was don't talk about fan fiction on the podcast. And here I am, like let me read you an excerpt. <laughs> Um, so Ben and Ray are talking about they they like the force bond opens up. Um, and this is how this, this story works is that like the force bond just like opens up kind of randomly and they have these conversations cause they have to do. And, um, they're talking about like whether or not Ray is going to tell like Finn and Leia that he, she's been meeting with Ben and Ben says, uh, they'll never, they don't understand. He agrees. They don't. And they never will. They're not like you, Ray. And he, in his thoughts, he says, you're like me, you're more. And she looks at him and says, I thought I was nothing. Ben leans forward, irritation flashing across his features. Never, he growls. That isn't what I met and you know it. You've never been nothing. 
She says, then why did you... Her voice cracks, and he can almost hear her berating herself for the momentary slip, as though to even ask or beneath her. Why did I say it? He finishes. It was in your head, Ray. All I did was let it out. She says, I didn't ask you to. Finally, she meets his eyes directly. You asked to be shown, he said. You told me what you wanted from the mirror. And she says, not like that. Then how? He'll be out of his chair if he leans any further towards her, but she does this, draws him out, pulls him close, some natural magnetism he's never been able to resist. Ray, Ray, his due north. I, Ray swallows, I don't know. And he says, I know, perhaps it was cruel. It was, she says. And he says, I'm sorry for that, but I'm not sorry you heard me, that you're free. And I'm like, for me, that just like perfectly put into words how I felt about that scene. Kind Mm -hmm. of going back to Zelda's question earlier about like, how do we kind of uh, like quote justify those kinds of lines like that? And for me, when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that's what happened. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's – Ray thinks of herself as nothing, and Kylo verbalized her thoughts. Mm. And it was cruel it's how true. he did it. It was cruel how he did it, of course. And maybe he shouldn't have said it like that. But as as the author writes in the fic, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for how I said it, but I'm not sorry you heard me because now you're free. And mm-hmm. it's true because now she's free from, like, bearing the – like the burden of wanting to be somebody. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a so great good, pick. you guys. It's such a it's such a good one shot. It's so good. Okay. So our second question is from Shannon. She asks, me and Alex love the hit from the last question, love the head canon that the force bond has been with them all their lives and that they have seen each other in their dreams. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I really like this theory. We talked about this a little bit with The Force Awakens. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was even before The Last Jedi came out, um, mm-hmm. talking about The Force Awakens force back and the idea mm-hmm. that, like, that's why Kylo has those lines of, like, what girl, what girl throughout The Force Awakens is because they actually see each other in the vision and it's someone who he's seen, he's seen before. And because mm-hmm. he's a Force user, he, like, knows how to recognize a Force vision, whereas Ray, it kind of – she would have just thought of it as like a dream because she's never been trained in the force. I agree. And I think that there is precedent for Ray having seen the island in her dreams. It's, it's, I think that there's precedent in star Wars for um, dreams to be prophetic and, or not. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is a pretty viable theory and I wouldn't be surprised if we learned that because the question of what girl, like, it does – is a little, like, how does he know her? And, like, why does he care so much about a girl? Like, it's – it's it does bring about those questions. And it's a headcanon I've honestly, like, entertained for a while. It's almost to the point where I, like, think it's – I think it's canon that they've been, like, connected for, like, forever. Mm. But um, I <laughs> – so I wouldn't be surprised if they revealed that. Mm-hmm. I think we talk about that a little bit more in the, our episode on visions, actually, from a couple yes. months ago. I think we dive into that a little bit more. But yes, we both really like that theory. And like Charlotte said, kind of assume it's happened already when it's not actually confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, they've been connected their entire life. Like, it wasn't even Snoke. That's a whole trick. Like, they know each other. <laughs> what a liar. They're instruments of the cosmic force. Like, they've it, since Ray was born, they were connected. Like, mm-hmm. duh. Yep. <laughs> like, like, duh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that there's like some conversation too. And even though in the, t- we just got word of the script. So I used to think that it was 
a little boy saying the word Ray in the mirror cave. And in the script, it actually says a little girl, like a young girl's voice. Um, but I, I think that I used to think like, oh, it's Ben Solo. Like they've been connected for whatever. I, I've, I've thought this for a really long time <laughs> and mm. basically consider it canon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's canon. It's canon. Just like Raylo. <laughs> Okay, so our next question is from Susan, and she asked, to what extent do you think Ray and Kylo realize that they're inverses? Was that something they saw fully in the hand touch, but have still only scratched the surface? I tend to feel like their most powerful communication will continue to be nonverbal. How do you guys feel about that? Because as much as I think they have to talk a lot that... Nah. Because as much as I think they have a lot to talk about, I think if and when they team up again, they're going to have to rely on each other instinctually before they get the chance to have a chat. That's what I would find more interesting personally. I think that they, when their hands touched, there was a little bit of misunderstanding about what happened. I think that at that moment, Ray thought that they were, and so did Kylo, that they that both of them thought that they were on the same page. But I think that there's a little bit of a misunderstanding that, like, they each thought that they saw the same thing, but clearly they didn't see the same thing. So I I think that they don't realize their inverses. I think maybe now they do. But I think in during the – at least when they touched hands, I think that they thought they were equals and similar. And I think they are equals and similar, but they are also inverses. And I think that discovering that might be the key to episode nine. Yeah, I definitely don't think they realize that they're inverses now um, mm-hmm. because they – I mean, that's what Ray says in The Last Jedi Novelization, like they'd never have to be alone again. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because she thinks they're the same, not because they're Right, inverses. exactly. And because the line that separates them is so thin, even though mm-hmm. visually – and I think that's part of the – like not the trick of The Last Jedi, but the the play of visuals in The Last Jedi is, is that visually – there's so much yin and yang in the film. I mean, down to like Ray and Kylo themselves. You have like a great piece of fan art, don't you? That's like Ray and Kylo as yin and yang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so visually they are, but the like kind of plot twist of it is that in fact, there's very little that is different about them. Right. So, and, so yes, they are inverses, but they're also very similar, which I guess I is still kind think of the point that, of an like, inverse. In episode nine, they will discover that their differences and their similarities are what make them stronger. And that kind of goes into the whole symbolism and like the visuals behind yin and yang. I mean, mm-hmm. you have um, like a black part with a white dot and a white part with a black dot. And it's like understanding that both of these have to like exist together and that's mm-hmm. the key. You have to understand those differences. And right now I don't think they understand those differences. Yeah. And yeah, cuz I think you're right and that's part of why Kylo couldn't go with Rey, like why that would have never worked. Like Rey's plan mm-hmm. wouldn't work because she doesn't really understand what Kylo's going through. Even though she does. Exactly. She doesn't. Um but I like She does, you- but she doesn't. Yeah, she does, but she doesn't. But I liked what you said, uh, Susan, about how um, they're going to have to rely on each other before they can chat, um, which I think is a really interesting, like, concept for, like, how the plot will work in regards to Rey and Kylo. Like, they're kind of put in the situation where they can't talk to each other, but they're both, like, actively fighting for each other. 
It'd be interesting. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I just got so <laughs> excited for episode nine. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Susan, for that question. Um, our next question is kind of a conjunctive question because they both ask the same thing. So our friend BB Kate Art and CT from Who Talks First, who was just on our show talking about Mortis, asked, my question is, if there are any specific Anakin and Padme parallels you expect or hope to see in episode nine? Um, I have this like weird vision that like just came to me when I was reading this question. And I don't know how it could happen, but like potentially if they were in some sort of spirit realm, um, the cosmic force or the world between worlds or however you want to refer to it, um, I think it would be like kind of cool if Ray was somehow depicted in like visual coding almost angelically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a really interesting parallel to episode one where Anakin asks Padme if she's an angel. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I yes. think that would be really cool. That would be really and cool. I, hopefully, like, not too on the nose, but I think that would be a really great parallel. I mean, the haunting thing about that Anakin and Padme exchange is that what makes Padme an angel eventually, her death is caused by Anakin. Ooh, so grim. Uh, super grim. <laughs> but I think that they could... <laughs> They could if if they're in the spirit realm, I think that there's like this glow of light that could happen that could possibly be similar to daughter, be similar to the angels of Iago, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, that would be really cool. Yeah, I think you're right. It would be really cool to have some kind of um Phantom Menace visual connection because that was the start mm-hmm. of the story and now this is the end of the story. So I think it just makes sense as yeah. this movie's coming out and the uh 20th anniversary of the phantom menace in the same year like you never know yeah but you know who does know jj abrams um, oh yeah he totally knows you totally you know knows. who also knows vic mahoney vic mahoney <laughs> vic mahoney is a raylo stand nothing can convince me otherwise <laughs> uh yeah i hadn't really thought of that i think i wasn't really sure when we got the question where i thought that parallel should be or what would even be a good parallel because They've already paralleled Revenge of the Sith, and Revenge of the Sith is the closing chapter of the Annie Dallas story, whereas – and that was, like, their big conflict, which, of course, ends in tragedy, whereas for Ray and Kylo, their big conflict is their middle chapter, which means they mm-hmm. come to some resolution in the third chapter, um, and Anakin and Padme never got that resolution, and so I wasn't really sure where that – a good parallel would come in, but I think I think you're right. I think it's got to be something related to The Phantom Menace, whether it's visually – or like a theme or something like that. Maybe they go to Yago. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think that, oh, that happened in the Clone Wars, I think, if I'm remembering cor- correctly. But I feel like, um, just to revise that, I do think that that would be a cool connection. But I think that the theory of saving yeah. people from dying is probably the most likely thing that's going to happen. And that is yeah. the end of the all the way. Yeah, but I hope that that... It would be cool if that um, theme is represented visually and, like, tied to the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. But I do think that our Phantom Menace connection, now that we're talking about it, is going to be with Leia somehow because I tweeted about this a couple months ago that, you know, it would be so great because, like, the this Star Wars is so much about fathers, but the start of our story is about a mother, like, sacrificing her son 
like having sacrificial love for her son to like let him go with these strange men to the Jedi because it'd be a better life for him. And then it would be so mm-hmm. great to like see it come full circle in the last chapter for a mother to welcome her son back home. Um, and so I think that is probably going to be something similar to that would be a really great Phantom Menace parallel. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're right that the like if they do go for more like heavy handed Annie Dalla parallels, it will be with the like bringing someone back from death, which is Revenge of the right. Sith. But mm-hmm. visually, it could look like the Phantom Menace. It could. Anyway, lots of good parallels possible. <laughs> okay, so our next question is from Alaya. She asks, "When did each of you first realize that Raylo was for you?" This is hard because if I go back and. I was never – you were always more no Raylo before The Last Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. And I was never no Raylo. I was just waiting Raylo. <laughs> um, to you like totally the, were. You were totally waiting for it. I was it. totally I waiting remember Raylo. having conversations with you being yeah. like – you were like, yeah, I just have to wait, but I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you at the time were like, no, I just – I don't because I think the, I think the interrogation scene was on it like you were in that camp of like I don't like what he said in the interrogation scene it's not going to work and you know Ray doesn't need to be in a romance which I think is mm-hmm. also a really good argument against Raylo honestly um, but I I was always that person that was like I don't know because like, as we've said earlier in the show I was a hundred percent for Kylo from the second I saw the back of him <laughs> and so I wanted him <laughs> to be happy and like honestly that only looks like Ray um, in whatever uh, world you put it in um, but in the Last Jedi I think it was it honestly it was the shirtless scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like so fangirly and like Adam Driver is hot. But honestly, that is like the oldest romantic trope in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, psh, <laughs> I don't know. But to the – and then the please at the end of The Last Jedi just like wrenches my heart out. It was the whole Last Jedi for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. Like- but like within The Last Jedi – the th- yeah, the thing the, within the last Jedi, it was you're a monster. Yes, I am. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> go back and listen to our I, monsters episode. That's what it says. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like um, Caitlin and I went into the last Jedi wanting basically one thing out of that episode and that is to explore the Rey and Kylo dynamic even more mm-hmm. I think that we were like that's basically all we thought about all we talked about right Caitlin yeah. like it's kind of crazy to even think that we weren't like technically Raylos then because we were I that's know. all we wanted and yeah. we would talk about how they were related and everything not related but like their stories connected. are intertwined and super connected and like that's all we want out of The Last Jedi and Ryan will deliver and you know what mm-hmm. he did and I think that <laughs> During the movie, I was like, yes, this is what I want. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so happy that this is happening, that all these scenes are like together, that it really was that monster scene that I was like, oh my God, this is like real. That like the mm-hmm. Raylo podcast, like Scavengers Horde that I listened to were right, that they like totally pinpointed this. And I, that was my moment. And that's why I was like, wow, wow, it's here mm-hmm. and it's not going away. Yeah. Because I think we, Prior to the Last Jedi, we always talked about how because we were always we had a whole episode that was all, that was like entitled Redemption. Um, prior mm-hmm. to the Last Jedi, and it was all about like 
yeah, Ray's going to be a big part of that journey, however it looks. Um, mm-hmm. And I was a Ray Kenobi stan. That was my favorite crack theory. Um, but I was pretty much convinced that they were going to make her Ray nobody. And you were too, but you were you kind of you were in the Ray Skywalker camp, which now is just like hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we were always like we were always talking about how like yes, this is Ray's story, but Ray is a pivotal person in the lives of the Skywalkers, and that's gonna be mean she's gonna have some kind of connection to Kylo. Um, but we like didn't want to say romance because one, she could very well have been a Skywalker, and two you got such like shady looks on the internet if you said that and you still do. Um, But Mm -hmm. what's like one of the most like cringy segments of our show now is I think in that redemption episode where we talked about like a force bond and we were like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. That's so cringy. It's so cringy because then in our reaction (laughs) episode, we're like, oh my God, no one was talking about this. And that's what happened when so many Raylos were talking about that. And we just, like, weren't in that community at all and so had no idea. And we're like, look how right we were. <laughs> it's so um, funny. It's, it's really funny. Um, but it just makes it even more hilarious that we weren't Raylos, but we were having, like, very similar theories to what the Raylo community was having as well, even though we, like, mm-hmm. weren't a part of the Raylo community at the time. Um, right. So yeah, the last Jedi shirtless scene. I was like, "Good lord, if they're not going doing romance, why why do we have a shirtless scene here? Why?" <laughs> I like <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Did I tune into a rom com? What's happening? <laughs> Is this Revenge of the Sith when I'm <laughs> looking at a married couple? <laughs> What is this? <laughs> this looks a lot like Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Gosh. Um, but good question. Thank you. Our next question is from at Potter Who's. Do you think the sequel trilogy is connecting Han Solo to the more mythological aspect of Star Wars? And one way is instead of having a Force ghost, Han Solo's legacy and immortality is granted through the redemption and survival of his son, Ben, and potential future progeny. Thus, the solo surname. Absolutely. (laughs) Totally. And I love the way you put that. I think that instead of having a Force ghost, Han's legacy continues on. The purpose of Han's sacrifice and his, you know, extremely important death scene is for his son to be set free somehow. And that can only happen by his redemption and return to the light, um, in my opinion, at least. And I think that just like outside of the films themselves, Lucasfilm coming out with a whole movie about Han Solo to underscore Han Solo's importance, it it definitely means something. And um, it's not just the fact that, you know, it's a beloved character because, of course, Han Solo is, but if they didn't want to add to his story at all in a mythological sense, then they wouldn't have created that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll I'll bang on this drum till the day I die. If Kylo Ren is not redeemed, Han Solo's death is meaningless. And mm-hmm. that does such a disservice to such an important character, even before the and solo Harrison movie. And Harrison Ford himself. And Harrison yeah. Ford himself. And we've said this too, that when Harrison Ford signed on to this movie, one, we all knew that he was going to die. And two, Harrison Ford was not shy at all about during the original trilogy, and particularly with the Return of the Jedi promo, like press tour, saying, I thought that Han Solo should have died as a sacrifice for the rebellion and for Luke and Leia so that they could live. 
And I guarantee he felt the same way about that going into The Force Awakens. And if nothing good comes out of Han's death and for Han's character, I don't think anything else matters to him than his son and Leia and their happiness. Because clearly he doesn't really care about the Resistance because he's been running away from the Resistance. What he really cares about is his family. Definitely. So our next question is from Sarah Sahim. My question mandates you to speculate irresponsibly, so I apologize in (laughs) advance. Since Rey and Kylo meet 77 minutes into The Force Awakens and touched fingers 77 minutes into The Last Jedi, what do you anticipate happening at 77 minutes into 9? I'd love to hear realistic and dream answers. I think it's worth noting Anakin officially turns and pledges himself to Palpatine 77 minutes into Revenge of the Sith. This is bananas. (laughs) Like, blowing my mind. Like, is this real? <laughs> reading this, um, it's the best thing ever. First of all, so seventy-seven is such an important Star Wars number. Everyone knows this. <laughs> Star Wars was originally released in nineteen seventy-seven. So this is just amazing that the most important things in each movie happen at seventy-seven minutes. I'm like dying over here. Dying. If if. 77 minutes into the movie is my, my realistic answer is that that's when Ben is going to turn back to or like resolve the darkness within him. Mm-hmm. Um, my dream answer is that the kiss happens. <laughs> I was going to say my dream answer is that they're like attending Ray and Kylo's like baby shower. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I think. I think you're right. It's it's got to be some kind of important Raylo moment. But the the one that's interesting is that Palpatine or Anakin pledges himself to Palpatine at 77 minutes into Revenge of the Sith. And so I wonder if at 77 minutes it's when we have the whole like culmination of the bringing someone back from death. Because that mm-hmm. was Palpatine's whole like shift to like his his um elevator pitch to Anakin was that like you can save the one you love. And what if that's when Ray or Kylo save the one that they love, which is each other. Catch me bringing a timer <laughs> to episode nine. <laughs> second viewing, not first viewing. Yeah, but yeah, second yeah. viewing, I'm timing. Can you, you know, I think that there's like imagine. several pivotal things that could happen at 77 minutes. I think that what we mentioned could happen, potentially the fall of the First Order, the Stormtrooper Rebellion. Like, I don't know. There could be a lot of stuff. What an amazing question and observation. <laughs> Bless. It's, a, it's the best. Thank it's you so, so much, Sarah. Thank you. Um, our next question is from at Jakku Gerblin, who asks, what were scenes or elements in The Force Awakens that you guys didn't initially view through a Raylo lens, but now do post The Last Jedi? Really good question. I think we answered this, um, at least I did, about the interrogation scene. I definitely viewed it through the anti-lens and now I view it through these two characters are put on equal footing and it's an impressive demonstration of um, their abilities really Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that the bridal carry is something that I will forever look upon differently as well honestly the entire movie but (laughs) (laughs) the the fact that the 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 fight is in a forest like a fairy tale with snow mm-hmm. is something I will always now remark on, at least in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the bridal carry is a big one. Um, and you brought this up too about the moment in The Last Jedi that made you turn Raylo was the when Kylo says, 
uh, I'm a monster or you're a monster. Yes, I am. So when he takes off his helmet in The Force Awakens in the interrogation scene, Ray has the same look on her face as she does at that moment in The Last Jedi when he says that he's a monster. It's like this look of like, what? <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to oh, say no, that. Oh, no, he's hot. <laughs> yeah, that meme too. <laughs> There's this one crack video that I love. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's going to be a little um, – it has a curse word in it. So if you're listening with younger ears, fast forward about 30 seconds or to a minute. Um, but it's this crack video, which if you've never watched a Raylo crack video, they are hilarious. But it has the overlay of um, Snoke going, you have compassion for her. And then the beat drops and the song goes, bitch, you guessed it. And it's Kylo like having <laughs> all these moments of compassion for Ray. <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time I watch it. And I have the clip saved on my phone. That's how much I loved it. But it's just like, bitch, you guessed it. Because he like totally has compassion for her. Yeah. It's so There's funny. a lot. I think I think The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi make a really good pairing. And I'd love to do an episode about the transition. Um, watching them side by side. Yeah. I think it would be a great thing to do in the future. Totally agree. So our next question is from Gina. She asks, what do you think Raylo being can- being canon would mean for Star Wars as a whole? What does it say about its themes and overall story? I think we've kind of been talking about this throughout the episode, but I think it, um, particularly when we were talking about Zelda's question in the last part, is that it connects the whole saga all together, um, especially if we get some kind of uh, like saving someone from death connection. And, like, the whole idea of, like, changing the meaning behind Kylo's line of I'll finish what you started. It's not about finishing what Darth Vader started. It's about finishing what Anakin started and what Anakin couldn't do because he was lost to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what it means for Raylo being canon, um, that it, we really do have this connectivity between all nine parts and that these trilogies can't and don't function separately from each other. Totally agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. so our next question is from ben Began solo what characteristic in ben slash ray brings them closer together what characteristic in each of them appeals to each other and what do you think is the next step for both ray and kylo and nine i think that ray and ben what brings them closer is that they both recognize this loneliness in each other But then at the same time, they both are really attracted, and I don't mean that in, like, a physically attractive way, but to, like, the – they both wish they had the other's childhood. Like, Ray would have given anything to be a Skywalker, whereas for Ben, it was like, the last thing I want is the the burden of this name of Solo or Skywalker. But they both want that. Like, the other wants that. Agreed. In terms of their next steps, I think that it is all about finding that middle ground, and um, that's what Nine will be about. Totally agree. So our next question is from Tracy, who asks, what do you think will happen with Raylo in Episode Nine, which we kind of just talked about, and what do you wish would happen with Raylo and Nine but probably won't happen? Um, this is kind of like a too real kind of question, <laughs> <laughs> because... I really wish for Raylo in the romantic sense to be canon, but that is also my biggest doubt, even though I do think it's going to happen. 
I just get really gaslit and scared for it to happen. So that is my biggest wish. <laughs> yeah, my biggest wish too is for romantic Raylo. And I think that's something that kind of got brought up in one of the earlier questions too, is that I don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. Um, so I don't want to like pin all my hopes on it. I definitely think that Ray and Kylo live or die together. I'm pretty convinced of that. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a possibility of them being soulmates, but not in the romantic sense, which as a Raylo shipper would be a hard pill to swallow, but I think still works narratively as far as like the nine part saga is concerned. So I think it still works, but that's not the story that I want. I want to see that Raylo kiss. I want Raylo babies. I want the Skywalker line to continue. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it would be weird to imagine someone else with Kylo, with Ben, after episode nine if it's not Ray. Agreed. Okay, so our next question is from AM underscore uh, 1885. Do you believe that Nine is the conclusion to the Skywalker saga if Ray and Ben are alive and together at the end? If their story continues, would you want it in novels, a TV show, a movie, or a trilogy a decade or three from now? Oh, such a hard question. Um, Because I want this saga to definitively end. I don't want to have this possibility of maybe a trilogy down the line 10 years from now, maybe if the actors are still going to do it. Um, I want it to be definitively over. That being said, there could be a lot of ways to explore it. To ex- Like if we assume that they both live and that they are in a relationship or have professed their love for one another at the end of nine, you know, best case scenario. Um, I think there's definitely a lot for them to do in the version. I think novels would honestly be the best way because I think it would be a good opportunity to finally like, start diving deep into – Kylo and like into his thoughts, which we haven't been able to see a lot in extra material because like his story is kind of shrouded in so much mystery. So I think novels would be a really great way to explore that after the conclusion of his story in episode nine. I remember Kathleen Kennedy a couple, maybe a year ago on the Star Wars show discussing um, that right now they were talking about um, what the stories mean next for Ray, Poe, and Finn, um, and similar characters. I think she also said BB-8, which is funny. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I would love if – first off, I want this the Star Wars like episode movies to continue. I think that I've been pretty vocal about that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got – an anthology type film that didn't have an episodic number that was about something that we can't even really conceptualize, but with similar characters, almost in a way that like, I think about, and Caitlin hates that I reference the X-Men, but I think about X-Men a lot and how Logan and not in the same, not in like the stylistic way, but the fact that that movie is about a single character, but also that character appears in like the series. I think that there could possibly be a way for, Characters like Ray, Finn, Poe, and Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, redeemed, um, to appear in a separate movie and just kind of be like really super character driven. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, honestly. Um, I feel like I would like it when it happens, but it all depends on how episode mm-hmm. nine turns out. Agreed. I think that it really just depends on if I'm really satisfied with that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think I 
I want them both to live. I think that that's the happiest and most, um, I don't know, celebratory ending for the nine films. Um, personally, especially as a Kylo Ren fan, I don't want him to die. I don't want Ray to die. Um, and I don't think that death really means that um, that's a satisfying conclusion. I think that Star Wars has kind of moved away from that thought process, actually. Um, you see that in some of their television shows and their comics and other films. Oh, my right? God. Bless. Um, Look to the animation but, department for the future of Star Wars. Thank you, Jay Filoni. Exactly. There it is. Yes, there it is. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. So I would be I actually would ha- be happy with like an anthology style TV show as well. Like I think all this is kind of my opinion on this is like ever changing and I think that it it will be solidified once the Mandalorian comes out mm-hmm. once we see this like arm of TV from Lucasfilm. Yeah. Um which is sure to yeah. be extremely high quality. So I wonder if like how would we feel about a show that takes place that like deals with Ray and Kylo's kids but they're like not like Ray and Kylo aren't a part of the story. I'd yeah, be totally we're just fine hearing about I think that 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 have happened to them. I I I I'd be a hundred percent fine with that. Um, and I think that that's probably where they're gonna go. I it, that's probably where I'd put money, just because that makes like brands. Are we sense. betting now? <laughs> it really does. No, I don't want to <laughs> bet because I don't think it's a good place to bet. But I think that that makes sense to me that they'd produce these like. They'd produce these characters. God, that sounds so like business, yeah. clinical. But like these, yeah, create, create. these these characters <laughs> create these characters who are connected to Ben and Ray in a way that still makes us interested about in them in this like long running television series. Like I think that would be mm-hmm. amazing. I think so too. I think so too. I'm with you. But I got to yeah. see episode nine first <laughs> before I really like make any concrete <laughs> yeah. uh, wishes for post episode nine. Uh, so our totally. next question was from Jordan Jordan Davies, who asked, since Ben Jordan Davis. So our next question is from Jordan Davis, who asks, since Ben Solo is the reverse of Anakin, do you think we'll see Ben's turn by the end of the second act in episode nine to parallel Anakin's turn to the dark side in Revenge of the Sith? And how much screen time do you think we'll get to see quote unquote good Ben Solo? The whole like how much screen time are we gonna see good Ben Solo is like really makes me super nervous and stressed because I really don't want him to turn at the mm-hmm. very end. Um, I, that's kind of why I was really hoping that he would turn in The Last Jedi. It was like a big part of our prediction that like it would be insane to see this d- former dark side force user kind of work from within from the resistance side to like take down the First Order. And I still think that could happen. I just don't know how likely it is to happen in the very beginning of the movie. I think probably second act is more likely yeah definitely and that's what she said too by the end of the second act which after sarah's question about like the 77 minutes (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if that's what happens and like the moment that anakin falls to the dark side with palpatine in episode nine is the moment that kylo makes a return to ben solo to this like new identity um of ben solo i can't handle that right Can you imagine? JJ Abrams would be the person who'd be like, (laughs) this is the parallel I'm going to do. 77 minutes. (laughs) You totally totally would. Because he'd be like, such a technical fanboy thing to do. You know what I mean? Whereas Ryan Johnson Mm -hmm. is like, let's play with like the visuals of like the the Mustafar versus the supremacy. And then JJ's out there like, 
Practical effects, 77 minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, Ryan did put the hand touch scene at 77 minutes, Yeah, too. exactly, exactly. But I mean, right. <laughs> I'm just building more into our... Maybe it's like a, a secret secret insider club about, like, writing Star oh, Wars. Like, this maybe. is what you do. You know, there's that... There, there are, like, all those books that are, like, about, like... Um, you know, inside the president's club and stuff like that. And like the book that gets passed down between presidents and like the first lady's like group chat yes. um, by Michelle Obama. <laughs> oh my God. There's, there's a SNL sketch about like nine time hosters yeah. and like how they're like invited into this club when they get jackets <laughs> and everything. That's the director's, That's the director's club. club. And it's a boys it's club. Totally a boys club. It's, it's a boys totally club. A boys club. And they, they smoke cigars, and it's, like, extremely men's. Actually. They, this is what they talk I about. They, they talk about 77 minutes I in. bet they – the thing <laughs> is, like, one, yes, it's a boys club, but it's all fan, a fanboys club. So I bet that it looks like the cantina, and they actually don't have alcohol. It's only <laughs> Bantha Blue Milk. <laughs> and they, like, they obsess yes. over whether things are screen accurate within this, like, clubhouse slash cantina. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh god. And there's like a plush of Max Rebo in the corner by like an electric keyboard. <laughs> that's really a jukebox. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Love oh it. Oh gosh. Okay. So our next question is from Becca who asks, I'm gonna go fandom and ask what your favorite fic is and what are your favorite photos of Daisy and Adam? So we already talked about our favorite Raylo fics, which are still the same from what we said earlier. But what's your favorite picture of Daisy and Adam? <laughs> Okay, so it's definitely – this was like a no-brainer yeah, for yeah. me. I love the New York Times cover shoot where it's it's basically like a – it's photographed for to be like a two-page two spread. So there's a divide in between with like the secondary unit cast and like Luke, or Mark, Daisy, and um, Adam. And Daisy is in white and Adam is in like completely oh, black. And I love that yes. shoot. Um and they're both like they're both like pretty serious. It's just like a mm-hmm. so good. But I do have to say I love that gif. <laughs> this is like pretty specific. I love that gif of um Daisy, John Boyega and Daisy da- it's Adam, John Boyega and Daisy like comes onto stage and John like moves himself out of the way so that Daisy can stand by Adam. <laughs> I know exactly love what it. you're talking about and I <laughs> totally agree. Um also, the black and white photo that you mentioned that's, like, Daisy in white and Adam in black is really great, too. Um, mm-hmm. I love the outfit that Daisy is wearing in her Vogue 75 Questions with Daisy Ridley. She's wearing, like, this, like, beautiful mm-hmm. green dress that I just absolutely adore. Um, but then my favorite Adam picture is um, whenever he's in a tuxedo. <laughs> Man can wear a tuxedo. <laughs> Dapper, Dapper AF. <laughs> you know what I love? I love that I forget what talk show it is. I think is it Fallon, where he realizes that the bottom of his soles are Christian Louboutin yes. red, and he's like, "Oh wow, didn't even know that." I feel like he just put them on before going on stage, and he holds up his foot for like too long so we can see. <laughs> well, then when love it, um, I think it. I think yeah, who whatever host it was, they like ask him a question that he can't answer, and he just like lifts up his shoe again to like show off the red. <laughs> I think it's Colbert. I think it's Colbert, I think it's too, Colbert. that's what the action figures where Ray and Kylo make out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's good. It's a good interview. <laughs> good content. Good content. It's fine. <laughs> yes, super good content. <laughs> 
Okay, so our next question is from Jenny. How do you think Ray being independent fits with Raylo? Does her needing slash having a romantic partner weaken her character, namely her arc of finding value in and of herself, not from others? One reason I think Raylo is so beautiful is because Ben and Ray complete each other. They aren't whole without each other. Ray needs Ben as much as he needs her. Balance. Do you think we can have Ray be independent and have Raylo at the same time? Or are they mutually exclusive? This is such a good question, and I think a lot of why people don't like Raylo and it's a lot of what we talked about before we supported Raylo is like you don't want to assume that because a guy and girl are on screen that they have to be in love with each other you don't want to do that and mm-hmm. that's kind of like this like movement in like women's stories is that like it's about like empowering yourself and you empower yourself you don't find empowerment through a man or like through a love interest um and i think that that was part of Ray's story in The Last Jedi is she was like searching for this belonging and she thought it could be with Han that didn't pan out well because, you know, he did. And she thought it <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's like waiting for her family because that's where she thinks she's like really going to find herself. And then, you know, she has this moment where she thinks it's with Luke and it's not with Luke. And then she like sees something in Kylo that she recognizes in herself or recognizes a feeling in Kylo that she's had before too, that she's like never probably experienced with anyone else that she's ever met before. And she like wants that, she wants to be with that, to be with him. But then she realizes that that's not how it can be right away. And she's strong enough to, like, say no to the belonging that he's offering her at the end of The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where we get Rey being independent, but also having Raylo at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's a hard question. I think that I I feel like we need to move away from independence in a woman equaling no man. Yeah, I, I feel like... You know what movie I think really did this super well? Um, I think that Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and I guess this is kind of like a conventional film example, but I think Wonder Woman completely demonstrated that a woman can be, I hate to use the word strong, but it's on the tip of my tongue, strong, um, embrace love and um, like forgiveness and um, joy, and that can still not weaken her as a character. In fact, it makes her more powerful. And I, I remember Caitlin and I were both so struck from that movie. We felt like we had watched a movie that we'd like a story that we'd truly never seen on screen mm-hmm. before. And I just hope that films learn from that, especially like popular films. And I feel like by only showing that love makes one stronger rather than weakens them, it will just honestly like move society forward and like stories forward. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you're right. Like, the lo- a love story, it's this idea that, like, a love story is a bad story or it's a conventional story mm-hmm. or a stereotypical story or not good because we have, like, all these things like rom-coms and, like, Hallmark movies that are built on the tropes of romance and they're, like, low-budget made-for-TV movies. But that they're, like, candy to consume. And so I think it can be hard to kind of see how a romantic relationship for Ray on this like really grand like predestined cosmic force scale can be a good thing um and i think the wonder woman example mm-hmm. is really good because 
we came out of that movie like floored. Like this is everything I wanted <laughs> um, from like a female mm-hmm. hero from a female heroine. Wow, redundant. From a heroine <laughs> um, is someone who like gets to be in love because love is not a bad thing, but also gets to save the day and knows how to operate outside of that relationship. And I think that's the big thing. That's like the line you can't – not that you can't cross the – I don't know how to phrase it, but that you have to be mindful of with race stories because like a lot of these like big budget love stories, you know, like Avengers and like all the Marvel movies and stuff, they're written by men and the main characters are men and so the women are side characters and the woman is like a prize to be won. Like because I saved the day, now I get to go home and have dinner with my wife. (laughs) And that's completely Mm -hmm. different from what we get to see in Wonder Woman and what we think we're seeing play out in The Last Jedi or in the sequel trilogy is that Rey is the hero of this story, but she's also an equal footing with the anti-hero as well. Um, And it makes for really interesting conversation. I – just hearing you speak like that, it makes me really want Rey to be the one to – if we're going to get into this, to kiss Kylo first, if they're Mm -hmm. going to kiss. I kind of want it to be fully Rey's decision since it is Mm -hmm. her story and for her to like – Get what she wants and to prove that you know we have a story like return of the jedi that like the thesis of return of the jedi is that love brought love of luke to his father and the father to son brought vader back to be anakin and i think that you have a familial sense of love there and that is extremely powerful we've talked about how star wars is about family but i do think that there's something super powerful about ray having the opportunity to choose love and to choose what she wants and that is and get what she wants and have find happiness in that um i think that there's something so independent about that choice yeah totally agree i think it's a really complex question Mm -hmm. that like this movie is being made at such an interesting time and like how women's stories are being told and how women are talking about like now that we have social media for women to be like hey, you know, I really haven't liked how a lot of love stories have been told. Like I actually create my own in spaces like fan fiction and Tumblr and in YouTube edits and things like that. Um, So like The Last Jedi is that like a really interesting crossroads as far as like just the time that it was made in um, to recognize that, yes, Mm -hmm. a woman doesn't have to be in love for her character to like be doing good things or to be important or for her story to matter. But it also doesn't mean that if she is in love that it's a bad thing (laughs) or that it's like looked down on Mm -hmm. or a lesser story. Mm-hmm. Good question. I don't know if we answered it well, but good question. <laughs> um, our next question was from at Cad Bain's Bounty, which great username. Um, why do you think there's so much, I guess, passion for both both for and against Raylo? I think we've talked about this kind of throughout the episode. It's a lot of different ideas, um, but it's just one. I think it's hard because we're in the middle of the story right now we don't know how it ends and this is like very new territory for star wars fans um as far as like the saga films are concerned i feel like if we like if the internet had been what it is in 1980 like with the vader reveal i think there would have been like just this kind of like similar like very um difficult discourse going on about like whether or not vader was lying if he was telling the truth like should he be redeemed because he's luke's father i think we'd be having very similar like very passionate conversations and i think the challenge here is that we are in the middle of the story um and so we all want our theory to be right and you're going to defend that theory until it until proven otherwise totally 
Okay, so our next question is from Captain Adriana. Are Rey and Kylo the reincarnation of Padme and Anakin? Could we expect more novel content of their relationship? Um, I would say that I don't think Kylo and Rey are the direct reincarnation of Padme and Anakin. I think it's clear to draw those connections, but I really don't think that they're the reincarnation. I don't know. What I don't do you think? think? Reincarnation. I think they're the continuation of Anakin and Padme's story. Yeah, I think reincarnation is a tough word because it kind of um, implies something spiritual. And I think there is something spiritual going on with these, this like direct link to the Skywalker family. Um, but I don't think it's as like crude as Ray was born to be the reincarnation of Padme. I think that the, the parallels are 110% there. I just don't necessarily think that they are um, the same. Yeah, I think I think the best way is that it's just a continuation of that story and that theme that started with Anakin and Padme and and has connected the Skywalker family throughout these nine films. For sure. And I'm not sure about novel content. I know that I really want to see Ben Solo as like I need to see more of him and his relationship with Snoke mm-hmm. and Luke and his trading Ugh. time. And if that's in novels, that would be great. And Potentially, if they ever have a novel that bridges like the Force, the Last Jedi, and Episode Nine, um, if there is like a year time gap in between, I think it would be super cool if like maybe that reveal was like the Force bond is still going on or something, and that would be cool to get some sort of confirmation that way. I know that we'd all freak out; it would be insane. <laughs> I think whatever comes out, Any, but- <laughs> anything that gives us more insight into who Kylo and Ray are, and like. They're, whether or not they've been having visions of each other their whole life. Of course, Kylo's relationship with Snoke. The Kylo-Luke dynamic is one of my – is probably my next favorite dynamic to come out of the sequel trilogy. So anything that gives me more of that um, emotional angst, <laughs> I'm 100% for. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they'll, I think novels will be the best way to explore these characters after the series, after the saga has ended. So I hope so. I hope so. I'd really love to read – something from the perspective of Ben. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, like, directly. I think it would be really important for the fandom to do that, and I think you could really get super deep into the Skywalker mythology and, like, what he knows about certain things. I think it would yeah, be great. exactly. I completely agree. And so our very last question is from Sarah, who asks, overwhelmingly, Rayleigh has agreed that a redemption is fundamental to the relationship being endgame in some capacity. What do you think are some specific character slash story beats that are critical to that arc, particularly with regard to how Kylo atones for wrongs done to Rey? Um, I think in terms of story beats, I think there has to be an acknowledgement of – there has to be an acknowledgement and recognition of past wrongdoings. And, and not just in like this mopey sad way that basically we've seen with Kylo – for the past two movies, but instead a like admission, an apology, something, a discussion with his mother. I think that there are certain things that need to happen, um, like hard conversations. And um, we need to see those in order for um, his redemption to actually make sense and be convincing. Mm -hmm. I think that Kylo, we talk about this all the time, that Kylo's choice for redemption is a personal choice. And so I think that that kind of realization that he is no longer Kylo Ren almost has to be by himself. That like, almost like he comes to Rey as Ben Solo. It's like, no, this is who I am now. Yes. Um, 
I don't know if I want to wait 77 minutes into the film for that. So maybe some other things happen before then. But I think that the the crux, like the moment when Kylo like makes that choice for himself to no longer be Kylo Ren, that like specific moment should happen by himself. Um, or like for for, for sure. himself. It can't, it, it can't be, be just for Ray. Um, maybe they're like together, exactly. they're in a battlefield or whatever, but it has to be for Kylo in order then for him to actually be with Rey as Ben Solo. In the inverse, I also think that if the Force bond is going to reopen, I think that Rey has to be the one to reopen it. Um, I think that Kylo will appear to Rey like they will be real, um, like n- not in the Force bond, um, but I think that Rey has to be the one to open mm-hmm. it. Yeah, we'll see. Because she closed it. And yeah, I think, I think that... Ben opening it would be a little intrusive. And I I think it's important for her character to, like we said, like make an individual choice to like want to talk to him. Um yeah, and I, I really think that's important for us to see um with her character. But I think that can only really happen if Ben makes some sort of change or if the only person that she can talk to about some certain thing is him. And I'm not sure what that is. Like, I used to speculate it was going to be Leia's death, but I don't think that Leia is really going to die. I think that they're going to keep her alive just by the footage that they have of Carrie Fisher. And I used to think that that was like a really important character beat, but I am less convinced on that than I used to be. Yeah, I still don't know where and how Leia is going to fit in. I think you're probably right. They may not kill her. I don't know. I think what you talked about as far as like Ray opening up the force bond because otherwise it's intrusive, I think is a really good point. But I don't know if they have the power to open it up. Maybe they get that in episode nine, mm-hmm. but it's kind of come up randomly in The Last Jedi. Like they have no control over when it starts. And it kind of seems like they don't really have any control over when it ends either until that last scene. So maybe Ray does get the ability to open it up. Um, so I'd be interested to see how that plays out because it makes sense how you put it, but I don't know if we haven't seen that yet. So it doesn't mean it can't happen though, of course. Yeah. I would speculate that in order for the advancement of the force bond, like something has to change with what we learned about the force bond in the last Jedi for it to be for like the story and like the understanding of the force to advance in episode nine. And I think Ray and potentially Ben as well learning to control the force bond might be a good way um, to see her advancement of her force powers mm-hmm. as well and be like crucial to the story. Um, yeah. It's just kind of crazy to even think <laughs> about. Wow. Like I said, I'm getting really excited just talking about um, episode nine and I really do kind of hope that we have a title soon so that we can speculate about that. Cause I'm sure that will be crazy and kind of like, Throw us for a loop. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Crazy. I think that's going to wrap up our Raylo episode. Um, so many great questions, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I know we probably didn't answer everything correctly or well, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, obviously, Raylo is not going away, and we're here. We're here for the hugs. 
I'm here for the hugs and the Raylo love. So um, let us know what you guys thought of this episode. Thank you guys as always for your support. If you want to find us online, you can head on over to Twitter. It's where we're most active. Our podcast Twitter is at SkytalkersPod, as well as our personal handles at Caitlin Plusher and at Clarity. You can also find us on our website, SkyTalkers.com. Instagram is at SkytalkersPodcast. Um, and if you liked what you heard and want to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, we would really, really, really appreciate it. Yes. And I want to thank our amazing patrons. Um, before I do that, though, I want to like let you know about our Patreon because I realize we don't really even talk about it. Um, we have a Patreon where we have a um, a Discord that you can join and talk with other fans of the show. And um, we also release a bonus episode there for the three and five and up um, patrons per month. Um, so you can go over to patreon.com slash skytalkers to check that out. And right now I just want to thank all of our amazing patrons. Amy, Joanna, Larry, Gina, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ira Bell, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa, Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Ch- Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Di- Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Megan, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Derek, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.